Welcome to The Drift, your resource on all things business strategy, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Aloisa, and I'm so excited to introduce you all to an absolutely incredible woman, leader, and also a dear friend. From being an eight-time world champion, two-time Olympian, three-time Olympic medalist, hailed as a female Michael Phelps, she's gained a wealth of knowledge and expertise on what it truly takes to gain competitive advantage as she likes to call it, her deep down gear. Welcome, Katie Hoff. Ah, thank you so much. I'm pumped to be here. Of course, Katie, thanks for coming on. Your background is definitely impressive. And we all understand that at some point in our lives, we were all just starting out in whatever we're working on or whatever our craft is. So can you share with us a little background on yourself and what got you started? Yeah, I, well, I grew, I don't know how far back you want to go, but I grew up a very, uh, I'd say obsessive OCD little kid. I just always wanted everything so, and just would throw a tantrum because I didn't know how to express myself at five years old. Um, if it, if it wasn't, you know, perfect and in place. And I think, you know, I was lucky enough to find swimming at the age of, at the age of five, but really drilled into that at the age of nine. Um, and took that energy and that will to be perfect and, and obsessive in the best way um, and channeled it towards swimming. That's awesome. So, you know, when I think about kind of this, this theme of developing a high performance mindset, like that's how, how I've always envisioned you. And to me, something that I've always thought about is it's almost like there's this sort of preparation process that we all have to go through mentally in order to find our next level to find that quote unquote deep down gear. So can you walk us through what, what that means and how do we know that we've reached a point where we can go to that next level in life? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's something I, I truly didn't know at the time I had discovered, but nine years old was when, I'll never forget, we were in practice and we were doing a bunch of you know different sprints, we're exhausted. And at that point, I had already set a goal of becoming an Olympic athlete. I didn't really know all that went into it. And sometimes ignorance is bliss. But I knew that that goal meant more to me than eating, sleeping, breathing, like it was everything. And so I truly believe that I, if I had not defined that goal prior to this set, prior to that year, I wouldn't have been able to continue to tap into this gear, which is a place of essential super discomfort. <laughs> no one wants to feel that type of pain, but that pain is what it takes to accomplish goals that matter. Goals that I always say are on the top of the mountain, um, goals that are worth fighting for. And so I, you know, when I talk about that and, and when I understand it now as an adult and looking back on it when I was nine years old, that was the common trend throughout my career and remains a common trend throughout my life now. Um, it's just, continuing to redefine that goal. Because obviously, as we know, throughout our lives, things change, pivots need to happen. Um, but being able to define a goal that, for me, gives me a feeling of extraordinary, like that's what I've defined, keeps me going, keeps me happy. So at the time, it was becoming an Olympic athlete, striving to be an Olympic gold medalist. Now it's being an entrepreneur and, and making an impact on people that way. Um, but if you don't have that first, I don't care if you're superhuman, like you're not going to be able to drive yourself to that point of discomfort because it's risky. It's, there's a lot of fear in that place of deep down. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people I think are, get really nervous when they get to that point because 
it puts you in a very, very vulnerable position. Like in, in swimming, obviously it's physical. That's the deep down piece. And you know, you don't look cool when you're dying and huffing and puffing and making noises of discomfort on the side of the pool. Like that's what it takes. And so um, I think people just have to define that and then be okay with putting themselves out there and maybe taking a couple falls, a lot of falls in my case. Um, but ultimately it's all worth it because you're, you're climbing towards that ultimate peak. Absolutely. Something that, that I think about too, and ever we're trying to strive for that next level of greatness or be in a new position or a new role. A lot of the times there's not a lot of people that are there with you. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, sometimes I, I wonder if, if how our paths go, how our journeys go, whether that be professionally, personally, we are almost formulated and shifted or really shaped as a product of our environment. And let's say, for instance, you have someone that's been really yearning to get to that next level of maybe completing their first fitness milestone, sports milestone, or even starting a business. It almost feels like part of getting to the best part of yourself is to ensure that you have the right environment, a support system that will help get you there. I mean, walk me through that process. I mean, was there an Olympic Olympian that you, that you met and said, oh, hey, Katie, like you should become like me one day. Like, what does that, what does that look like? Yeah, it's funny. Cause I, one of the pieces that I, that I always stress, uh, that's, you know, a huge component to getting to that ultimate goal is finding your, your community, your trust tree, I call it. And so uh, I feel like I, one, I got really lucky with amazing parents that put me in the driver's seat. They were not helicopter parents. They saw in their daughter that she was already going to be a self-driver and just let me drive and and just boosted me up and and supported me along the way. Um, But to the, to the piece around you know, who's around you in that environment, I think you, there's going to be times in your life, again, like you said, you're starting a business, you're an entrepreneur, where it's, you'll have moments of being lonely. And you have to find your, again, if it's just your parents, it's just your parents. If it's a mentor that you can find that you want to emulate, obviously a coach is, is a great one, but even sometimes your coach may not be the right fit. And I think that piece, again, is where you have to go back and look and and say, okay, but this goal is worth it. I, I know I'm sticking to this. I'm sticking to my guns. And maybe some people don't understand that. Uh, but again, there's that, that piece of uncomfort and vulnerability there when it comes to putting yourself out there. And I had so many moments throughout my career where I was swimming with the guys and they just viewed me as super annoying and didn't get me or people thought I was extremely annoying or obsessive and, and they didn't understand where I was coming from. And I just, again, I, I, I look back and I'm like, God, I really was kind of a freak, but I, I didn't, I didn't ever view it that way because again, I was so locked in and laser focused on becoming an Olympian that the rest just fell in place. Yes. There were moments where I was crying or I felt like an outcast, but eventually you'll find your people. And, you know, as I got better and as I kind of reached out and, and built friends, I started surrounding myself with like-minded people so much that being removed from the sport, by the end of the sport, I had found that group so much that, that I didn't even view the things that we were doing as a practice group, as Olympians, as abnormal. Like it becomes, yeah, excellence is normal. This is how you operate. This is how you execute. 
And that's a really cool place to be once you get there, because it's just churning at that point and you're thriving off each other's energy and momentum. But there's some some fighting, <laughs> fighting through the crowds sometimes to get to that point. Absolutely. Now, your background is actually very interesting. I'm interested to hear how you almost created that circle of trust back from the life of being an Olympian. But you also switched different industries. You went into the business world. How how did that work? Did you find yourself to have the same circle or what did that look like? That was really tough because I decided in my career, just based, I, I, I didn't finish, I didn't get to retire from my sport of swimming because I wanted to. You know, I had a pulmonary embolism on my lungs, which for those of you who don't know is blood clots in your in your lungs. And so I ended the sport really resentfully. I, I was not happy with my career. And I decided instead of turning and embracing that and addressing those feelings, I'm just gonna shove them down, move forward and recreate myself. And that is definitely not something I recommend because it a lot of stuff resurfaced throughout those five years before I really did embrace things. But yeah, it was extremely lonely because suddenly I was thrust into, hey, I'm just going to start over. So I don't even want people to know I'm an Olympian. I don't want people to know anything about what I just created for the last 20 years. So my life makes no sense if you don't bring that into it. But I just started entry level and said, I'm going to I'm going to bite my way up there. And people didn't understand why I felt the way I did about certain things. Like why I felt, for example, when someone would tell me, make a big deal out of, hey, you, you created that really great email or this plan. And in my mind, I'm thinking, why are you saying good job to me for just doing the bare minimum? You know, my, my environment was so much of, I'm going to be the best in the world and I want to be exceptional and, and mediocre is my greatest fear. And so to jump into an environment when, when it was entry level job and I'm fighting my way through the ranks, so many times I would get frustrated and I would be seen as impatient or one thing or another. And, and I'm just coming from this different environment and I didn't have people that understood the way that I was thinking in my mentality. Yeah, that makes sense. So was there something that, that happened that helped you navigate through those rough waters? Yeah, I definitely had some people along the way that saw the way, you know, we, we, we know uh, we have someone in common that, that I know Griff Long was someone who actually saw me from the start and, and obviously he was an athlete himself. So I think anyone who has been in the athletic world, who has that mindset or even in the business world and, and has that type of, you know, get after it, be the best in the world type of mentality understood where I was coming from and helped me navigate those waters and helped me say, okay, here's your lens and here's your work ethic and here are all the amazing skill sets that you built from 20 years in the sport of swimming. And here's how you can, you know, fold them over and apply them to things in the business world. Uh, but again, it was just a rocky road of frustration for me because unlike swimming, where I felt like it was very put in this amount of work, I'm going these times. So most likely when I go to a meet, here's what's going to happen and I have control of this outcome. It's a little bit different when you get into the business world. There's different twists and turns and you there are a lot of things that are out of your control, more so than in swimming. And I really struggled with that piece because I was so used to everything I just done for 20 years. And so um, I, I just think I struggled because I hadn't really faced 
the failure that I felt like had happened in my career. And I think this is a lesson for anybody. If you don't address failures, like I am all about moving forward and not dwelling, but if you don't turn around and appreciate and embrace things that happen in, in your life and your career, they're going to manifest themselves in different ways and not allow you to be the best version of yourself. That definitely makes sense. You know, I think something that a lot of people may be able to relate to, especially nowadays, unfortunately, the pandemic had a lot of a lot of downs. And what we're starting to see too, I mean, especially more specifically towards the fitness industry, at least that's the one I'm, I'm most close to, but what we're seeing is that because of the effects of the pandemic, a lot of people are actually having to shift careers and some of them are actually having to shift completely out of the fitness industry. So I think a lot of them may actually be experiencing what you've, what you've already experienced in the past where it's completely brand new. You're having to take everything that you had learned in the past and try to find some light behind it, trying to find something that's transferable and, and also be able to navigate through this and make something better out of it. And it's almost like, it's funny, I was talking to somebody that actually just switched to a whole new industry themselves. And they mentioned that it's almost like learning a brand new language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and it's, I mean, it's swallowing a massive amount of humility. You know, I think it's, it's understanding that, okay, I didn't become an Olympian in three years, you know, that piece. And so I think feeling that feeling of starting over can be very overwhelming. It can be very daunting, but I think at the same time, if you apply everything that you did to get to where you were in your previous career, in your previous uh, job or, you know, endeavor, it's going, you're going to get back up fast. Right. And I think there's that feeling of like, wait, can I do this again? And the answer is yes, because you, you already have kind of done it. You have those skills that you've developed. You know how to go after something. You know how to apply yourself. And I, all of that, all those things stay with you. It's not like they suddenly disintegrate and you're like starting over as a brand new human. And so um, I think that's something that I, it took me a little bit of time to do, which was identifying just like in swimming, I had, you know, so many daily wins and, and, you know, defining a process in that way. Um, I, I really had to learn how to shift and do that in my outside of the pool career. But I think the ultimately the thing that was the worst for me is that you can't just abandon that part of yourself. So it was suddenly like, you know, swimming was a, a, a percentage of me and to just suddenly shift and pretend like I didn't want to do any clinics. I didn't want to go to any swim events. Like I had completely abandoned that side of myself. And it was almost like I was black and white and it had to be one or the other. And really what I've come to now, and I've gone through that healing process because I can do multiple different things in multiple different buckets that fills up each bucket. And so I'm able, it actually makes each part of my life that much better. And if I think if I had done that from the start, I probably would have been fared a lot better and didn't feel like I was just starting from scratch because I would have had all those other things to bolster me up to. Absolutely. You know, it's, I kind of think of it as when you're comparing two things together, you hope that being good at one thing makes you good or even better at doing another thing and that they balance each other out in the end. And I think that's definitely something that, that a lot of us, even myself personally, just knowing you, I think that's something that it's so incredibly admirable about you that you took the greatest parts of being an Olympic swimmer and was able to apply that into so many different things from sales, operations, marketing, the whole gambit. And 
not a lot of people really have, I guess, uh, for lack of better terms, like the mental drive and mental toughness to be able to do so. Yeah. So go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think um, it's something that in the moment, I'm like, God, I should have just, I should have just embraced everything. And I should have just stayed in, in the sport of swimming and, and not broadened out. There were so many moments where I said that. And now looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have all of these skill sets. Like I know for a fact now that I love sales and I will always love sales. And, you know, I've, I'm continuing to grow uh, that piece of my skill set. And so it's almost way more exciting to have 18 different buckets of things than one bucket because you're constantly, you know, if one's not going well, you turn to the next, maybe that one's clicking today. And so I, I truly believe that that is the key and maybe not to everyone's happiness, but I figured out that that's how I operate best. And I think that's, that's been the click moment for me of, of finding that, uh, you know, extraordinary feeling again. Absolutely. So something I did want to ask you today is personally, I've come to this realization that there's a difference between peak performance, high performance and optimal performance. Mm-hmm. And these are so easily transferable across personal and professional lives. And I was curious, do you have an opinion on this? And, and what would you define as something to be the most sustainable? Say that again, you said peak, optimal, and what's the third one? And high performance. I would say optimal is the most, uh, I would say maintainable over a long period of time. I think peak performance is the most fun. It's the most rush, you know, breaking a world record, closing a deal. Like those are things that give you that, at least for me, that, that high that keeps you going through all, all of the, the lows. Um, I think, I, I guess I would think high performance is, it's so funny. Like when I think high and I think peak, I think high is like, it's good, but it's not, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it's like, it's solid. You had a high performance, but like you had a peak performance, like you crushed it, you blew it out of the water, you hit 200% to quota. Like that's what I think of. And then obviously optimal is like, okay, you can maintain this over a quarter, over a year, over 10 years. Um, I think, I think you need both because I think if you just have and I know these are probably, I bet everyone has a different answer to this, but I think optimal is like, okay, you know, you're maintaining it and you're doing a good job. And I think that's why I'm someone that can't just do one thing for the rest of my life. Like, I think that's to me, the highs, I would much rather have a lot of peaks, like big peaks and combined with a lot of valleys. Like, I just, I just think that that's, and that's usually what comes with big peaks and I'm okay Mm -hmm. with that. And that rush and that addiction to that rush is what's driven. I mean, I look back on any part of my life, it it drives everything. Um, So if I have to pick one, I think I'd pick I pick peak, <laughs> but um, obviously optimal is better, but I think peak yeah. performance is, is so fun. Like that, that rush is unlike anything, anything that you can probably experience or even just put into words. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And, you know, it's almost like the first step for people is to find and define what those mean to them. Mm-hmm. And from there, figure out what makes sense. And I, I, I definitely agree with you. For me, I like to have all three. Yeah. I like to have optimal performance. I don't want to just do the average. I don't want to just do the bare minimum. And there's times where I do want to have high performance um, majority of the time. 
make me make me feel successful every now and then. But then, man, I definitely want to establish those peak performance times, get that goal in mind, find something that's just like out of the ordinary, something that's just something so different that not everybody is doing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, the, the really special thing is that there isn't, there isn't a right answer. It's what drives you. You know, there are some people that are really content with just having, you know, a steady career, doing a really great job, high performance on a day on the daily. And, and they don't need that, that they're not trying, I guess I'm actually a little bit, to be honest, jealous of those people, because to me, those people are probably happiest. Like they're, they're probably <laughs> yeah. satisfied a lot, a heck of a lot more than I am. Cause I'm always like, where's the next peak, next, 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 you know, I'm never satisfied. And so it's funny. I had this conversation with someone over the weekend and I was kind of arguing it of, of my standpoint. And by the end of it, gosh, you are so right. There, there's something for everyone. And as long as you find what gives you that feeling and you know that about yourself, that's the key. I think the times when people are struggling or don't have motivation is when they don't know and they're, and yeah. they don't have that understanding of themselves of, of really what drives them. Yeah. It's almost like asking yourself, like, what does success look like for you? Yep. Huh. So you recently published a book. Uh, for those that don't know, Katie's actually a best-selling author. <laughs> and the book is, of course, out of everything else that she does, as if she didn't have enough time on her hands to publish a book. So uh, Blueprint, an Olympian story of striving, adapting, and embracing the suck. So one of the key messages speaking to, it's really a blueprint for greatness. And one of my takeaways from it was that the concepts of leadership drive And overall, developing good habits are just so transferable across not only sports, but also life and business itself. It's about setting a goal, look at it in the horizon for motivation, and see it through. Can you share a little bit more about how you came to this thought process and that ultimately encouraged you to share your story? Yeah. You know, it's funny when you, again, this book was so much more than just sharing my story. It's such a cathartic process. It was something I put off for five years. It was something I tried to do for five years. Like I got 40 pages in and realized, wow, I am not giving novelists uh, enough respect because this is really hard. And I think I really needed a coach. I needed someone to push me past that comfort zone of telling my story, of going really deep. And <laughs> I even submitted the 40 pages and my ghostwriter, my partner with was like, this is service level. <laughs> okay, say it, say it nicer, <laughs> geez, but it, it was what I needed. And so ultimately when I, when we really laid out my story, it was, okay, I've gone through, I've had a lot of highs in my career, but I've also had a lot of, a lot of lows, a lot of failures. And how did I continue to pick myself back up time and time again? And I think it was, okay, just, I had a very, early experience with failure on a very big stage. You know, my first Olympic team, I just turned 15 and it didn't go well. (laughs) And to to put it lightly, and I really had that that point to the side, like, okay, do I pivot and embrace all of this and keep moving forward? Or do I let this beat me and give up? And I feel like it was almost this ripping off the bandaid moment where it was like, okay, so this is failure. On a, in a really big way, and I survived it. And now I know, and time and time again, it's happened to me 
And I'm kind of like, all right, bring it on world. Like I, I've, I've gotten up this many times. I know how to make adjustments and the whole, the title blueprint is you have, everyone's got a blueprint, right? And you think your life's going to look this way. And I thought my career was going to look a certain way and my life was going to look a certain way. But any architect will tell you, if you don't pivot and make adjustments, you will not be successful. And to me, that's what I, my story tells is you're going to go through some, some tough times. You're going to go through some curveballs but you'll be, you're ultimately will be successful in your life and triumph if you continue to pick yourself back up, be relentless, embrace the suck, make adjustments. Um, and then you'll be, you'll become very used to doing that, that that then becomes a skill set. And I think anyone who has a skill set of being able to pick themselves back up, even in the hardest of times when they think there's no way I'm climbing out of this hole can do anything. Definitely. I think that's a lot of, a lot of what can be spoken to from what happened in the past year. And everybody will always talk about, gosh, 2020 sucked. It was the worst year. But my response is always, yeah, but you made it. Like it's, it's, you're already halfway through the next year. Like that's how far you've made it already. You triumphed. Exactly. That's actually a really, I feel bad saying this, but a lot of things you know, a new business came out of it. I published my book, you know, obviously there were, there's, of course, there's always things that, you know, I would have loved to be able to do my book tour in person, but there's so many things that I feel like I was able to. And again, I don't think that if I not gone through the things I've gone through my past career, I don't think I would have been able to be like, well, here's another little speed bump. Here we go. You know, it, it becomes your just subconscious. You just start reacting that way and it becomes second nature and I think uh that first one that first band-aid rip I think is probably the scariest and I think that's what prevents people from going after something that maybe is a little big and a little scary because it's like well what if what if I fall what if I fail what if I look stupid well rip the band-aid and it's like well I've already done all those things already thrown (laughs) up on a massive stage of the Olympics all over the pool deck can't get worse from here guys like let's let's go you know so I think that piece while scary is really helpful for the rest of your life definitely there's almost something to be said that you know the planned things are great but how you react to the things that were unplanned now that's that's something like that's what's going to say something about you a hundred percent yeah cool well any exciting things coming up that we can expect from you and your business yeah, so well, I guess I could say it now because by the time this comes out, it'll already have happened. So Synergy Dryland is the company that my husband and I started really at the jump from the pandemic. We really identified a need among the swimming community to have support in the land portion of, of swimmers workouts, of making sure they're strong in their core and their lower body and their stability and mobility and all those things that I know firsthand helped me so much when I did them well outside of the pool when I swam and we're actually about to launch or about to sign a contract with Tier, um, which is one of the big swimming brands, um, which will be a huge, really amazing partnership um, that we're very excited to announce this week. Wow. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Cool. Well, final question. If you could give advice to any young woman or really just young individual that's desiring to be a future entrepreneur, what would you share with them? It's a great question. I feel like the number one thing for me 
that I wish I had had advice on this earlier in my life was just trusting your gut and your intuition. I think I've always had, I have a mentor who always says, you know, never doubt a woman's intuition. She just knows. And I think sometimes it's very easy to, again, listen to the noise around you, listen to people who don't understand your ultimate goal. And there's been so many times I look back, I'm like, God, if I had just trusted that and not let the noise bother me, I would have made the decision maybe six months earlier, or I would have made a decision that maybe would have impacted me in a better way. Again, I pivoted, but I think that's something, if you can avoid that and trust your gut, you're going to be in a good spot. I love that. Awesome. Well, thank you, Katie, for your time. And as mentioned, make sure to check out Blueprint on Amazon and also Synergy Dryland for all of our swimmers out there looking to get some detailed programming from the one and only. Looking to hear more of what's happening in the health, wellness, and sports industries, subscribe to this podcast, and we'll catch you next time on The Drift.